0: Praise God. Well, this morning, I'm going to continue to minister on prosperity. I've been doing that in chapel, but I've got something specific that I want to do today because just not too long ago, I uh, turned on the television and I saw one of the fundraisers that was going on, and it was pitiful. It really bothered me. And I'm going to refrain from telling you what I saw because apparently uh, everybody in here has been through one of those fundraisers and I shouldn't have to elaborate on that. I'm really not against the people who did it. I know them and they're good people, but it was just totally carnal. It was manipulative. It was ungodly. It was uh, hypocritical. I could use a lot of adjectives to describe it, but as I prayed about it, The thing that bothered me the most is it works. You know what, ministers are, I guess, always going to do stuff like that. It's always been that way. I don't know that we'll ever change it. But the thing that bothered me is it works. And I actually went on the internet afterwards and I began to look up some of these ministries and see what their income is. And again, I'm not going to mention any names because I'm not against an individual, but I can tell you one guy that has been exposed as a crook, has a little radio receiver in his ear, and some of his people go around and meet the people and get their names, find out what's wrong with them, and they tell him. And he supposedly operates in the gifts of the Spirit and calls things out and says that it's the Holy Ghost. The guy's probably not on 100th as many television stations as I'm on, and his income is like $170 million a year, and mine's somewhere around 22 million. What a contrast. And it's because he fleeces the people and manipulates them. There was another guy, I won't mention who this is. But uh, I was at a woman's house one time and she came and she says, Look at this. The Lord woke him up at 2 in the morning and gave him my name. My name is written here. And said that if I will send him $1,000 today that all of the people I've been praying for will be saved and born again. And that this was a word from God and you got to get your offering in the ground. And she says, I don't have $1,000. What do I do? Do I go borrow the money? And she says, how do you respond to that? And I said, let me see it. And I looked at it and I just grabbed the letter and tore it into pieces and threw it in the trash. And I said, that's how you respond to that. And she said, but it, God woke him up and gave my name. And I said, yeah, he put that letter out to 160,000 people in the computer, put every person's name in there and made it personalized. And I said, it's a sham. It's crooked. And she says, you think so? <laughs> and I said, I know so. And anyway, I could go on and on and on talking about all of the stuff. But really, again, what the Lord spoke to me is, that instead of complaining about it and talking about it, the only reason this works is because people give to it. You can raise more money fleecing people and scamming people and condemning people. I've had people come to me and uh, offer me uh, a million dollars, guarantee me a million dollars. And this has been 20 years ago when a million dollars wasn't an entire year's income. They were guaranteeing me more than a million dollars dollars if they would let me write a letter. Man, I needed a million dollars, so I said, come on. And so they came and they presented their deal to me and they had it down to a science, what color ink causes people to give, how many times you underline things, put the brackets around it outside. They had it down and they said, if you will do this, this, and this. And one of the things was, if you'll put in the pictures of babies with swollen bellies and maggots on their eyes and flies and stuff like this and talk about your orphanage. We'll guarantee you one million dollars. And I said, but I don't have an orphanage. And they said, the last guy that we raised 22 million dollars for didn't have an orphanage either, but it says he got 22 million dollars off this letter. And I said, that's crooked. And they said, well, you'll use it for good purposes. It doesn't matter, you know, how you get it. And I said, that's wrong. And I kicked them out. And I had to pay them some money to even come. And I said, keep your money. I said, do whatever. But I don't need money that badly. I kicked them out. But you know what? The sad thing is, it works. And so as I was praying about it and really upset about this, the Lord said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. And so if you don't like it, teach people why, when, and where to give. And it's only when people start understanding this truth that uh, will stop the situation. It's like a politician. If you don't like a politician and what they're doing, but if you voted for them, you got zero right to gripe. You're the one that empowered them. You're the one that put them in office. And if you have responded to these gimmicks and all of this stuff, then you got zero right to be upset about it. Because in a sense, you have encouraged them. You're the one that makes it work. So. Uh, What I want to do this morning is talk about why, when, and where to give. And if you could understand this little simple principle, it would revolutionize your life, the return that you get off of the money, plus it would change the entire body of Christ. Would to God that somehow we could change the whole way that the body of Christ functions in this area of giving. And if we did, we'd eliminate the crooks and the charlatans. We would get rid of these programs where they are manipulating and lying and deceiving and doing things. The only reason people do that is because it works. It works big time. You can raise more money manipulating people than you can using godly motivation. That's a shame. But that just shows you the condition of the body of Christ, and the only way it's going to change is to teach on it. So the very first thing about why to give, I've already dealt with this quite a bit, and so I'm just going to go through and summarize some of this, because I've already used these scriptures, and this is really the main thing that I've dealt with is the motive behind your giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 3 says, If you give all of your goods to feed the poor, or if you give your body to be burned, and don't do it motivated by love, it profits you nothing." So if somebody is encouraging you to give and if your motivation behind your gift isn't because you love God, number one, and and then sometimes when you give it's because you love people and you're wanting to communicate the love of God to them and show them the love of God. If love isn't your motivation, it profits you nothing. It might benefit the people that you give to, but it it profits you nothing. And that shows that the motive behind your gift is more important than your gift. So, when anybody is trying to get money from you and using a carnal, selfish motivation, you shouldn't give. Thank you for that couple of head nods and one amen. Now, it needs a little bit of explanation because... The scripture does teach, and I'll talk about some of this, but yes, when you give, it is given back unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And you shouldn't, like my mother, when we gave to her back in the very beginning, she would give to us, and she didn't know it, but she's the only thing that kept Jamie and me alive. And she would give to us, and I'd always say, I believe God is going to bless you back a hundredfold. And she'd always say, oh, I don't want anything to come back. I'm just giving because I love God and I'm trying to bless you and help the kingdom. And she says, I don't want anything in return. Well, that was good to a degree that she wasn't selfish in her giving, but it's also wrong because the Lord wants to prosper you back. There are scriptures that talk about that. And if you never got your uh, giving to come back to you, then eventually you wouldn't be able to give. So you need to know that there. yes, when you give, it shall come back to you and it's going to come back multiplied back to you and you need to believe for that and receive it, but not just for selfish things, but so that you can turn around and give again. In other words, I believe in giving to get so that I can give more. I don't believe in giving to get. I don't believe that the end result is how it's going to benefit me. I give and I believe on a return on my giving so that I can be a bigger giver. The emphasis is on the giving, not on the receiving. But if you're going to continue to give, you've got to learn how to receive. So there's a balance in this. and uh, But many times, I'd say most of the time, when somebody is fleecing you, they have an improper balance and they're manipulating you and telling you that give and you'll get all of these kind of things. And yet the Scripture says, if you give, not motivated by love, God's kind of love, it profits you Nothing. If all there was to prosperity is given, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, Luke 6:38), then every person in here would be a millionaire. But your motive behind your gift can either totally void your gift or it can just totally destroy it. And so it's, the motive behind your gift is important. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says that it's God that gives you power to get wealth so that He might establish His covenant in the earth. It says in uh Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. The Lord told Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great and make you a blessing. The reason God blesses us is to be a blessing to other people. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is right, that he may have to give to him that needs. The reason God told you to work and labor is so that you can give to him that's in need. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. The reason God prospers you is so that you can be a blessing. So again, the motive behind your giving, why you give, isn't to get. It's to be a blessing. Now you have to understand that as you give, you do need to believe for a return on that. You do need to expect a harvest. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but that's not the right motivation. You should be giving because you love God, because you love people. You want to be a blessing to people. There's so many scriptures. Uh, he that hasteneth to be rich, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-two. He that hasteneth to be rich hath an evil eye and does not understand that poverty shall come upon him. If you love money, First Timothy chapter six verse ten, the love of money is the root of all evil. While some coveted after, they have pierced them, they have erred from the face and pierced, pierced themselves through with many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men in perdition. If you hasten to be rich, if your goal is riches, your motive is wrong. You aren't going to see God's prosperity operate in your life. Now, you can get money outside of God. There are people who are not necessarily believers and not trusting God who become rich. But I guarantee you, you pay a price for it. You pierce yourself through with many foolish and hurtful lusts. It drowns man in perdition. It's the root of all evil. It causes lots of problems. But if you are going to prosper God's way, then your heart has to be right. Your motivation has to be right. So when somebody comes up and starts telling you all of these things about if you will give a thousand dollars right now, then God is going to multiply this back to you a hundred times and you're going to be rich and you can have houses and cars and when that's the motivation. And again, there's nothing wrong with those things in their proper place. But when that's the motivation, that's a wrong motivation. You should not give towards that. Every time you give to somebody who's manipulating you and using carnal motivation and just talking about like the lottery, You give this, and boy, you're going to win this, and you're going to get all of these things. Every time you give to that, you encourage it. You are voting for that kind of thing. So that is not why you give. And then when you give, here, here's this is really important that you don't give where you're begged. Psalms 37, 25, David said, I am old and have been young, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. Righteous people do not beg. Ministers should not be begging. When a minister tells you that I'm going to go off the television, I'm going to go off the radio, and they start begging and it's all about them, that's the wrong place. You shouldn't be giving. You shouldn't give to that. And let me just expand this. You know what? When you see somebody begging on the street, you shouldn't give to that. And I know that some of you will think, well, now, wait a minute. You know, if you see your brother or sister in need and shut up your bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you is what it says in Scripture. Well, I agree that we are supposed to have compassionate giving. But, you know, it's the people on the streets that are begging. There may be one out of a hundred that is seriously in need. But the rest, it's either a scam or it's their choice to be the way that they are. I know that really blessed a lot of you. But it's true. We had a guy that came to this Bible school who worked for the Springs Rescue Mission. And he worked with the homeless and stuff. And he was constantly down there on the street trying to help people. That was his job. And he said that the average panhandler in Colorado Springs, this has been 15 years ago, so I'm sure that it would be even more today, but the average panhandler in Colorado Springs made $350 a day begging. He says they lived in nice houses, had nice cars, but they would dress up poor, they'd put up the sign, I'm homeless, hungry, help, and they would beg, and they averaged $350 a day. And he, and he dealt with hundreds of them. And he knew them. And it was all scam artists. Jamie and I were at the Chapel Hills mall one day and we saw a guy with a sign up and he looked pitiful. He looked pitiful. And he had this sign up and begging and we were not going to give to him, but we were watching him. And while we were watching, a car drove up. It wasn't a Rolls Royce or anything, but it was a really nice car. And there were five other people in it. And they said, get in. And he jumped in and they drove off. And you know what? You could tell that there was a group of about four or five of them that this is what they did and begged for money. And the only reason they did it is because people give to them. You are subsidizing that behavior. Now again, sometimes, someplace, you are going to meet somebody who is desperate and really needs help. And so, I'm not saying that you can't do that, but I'm saying that 99% of the time those people are scamming you or they are possibly going to take the money and use it on dope, cigarettes, booze, or something like that. And if you don't believe it, then when the person says hungry, say, alright, I'll go take you and buy you a meal. And you know what? They don't want to do it. We give away, I don't know exactly, but probably a minimum of $50,000 a month. And we give it to a lot of different people. And I bless people all around the world. And you know what? I give away a lot of money. And when people come begging, we tell them, you can work. And we put them to work. We've had people work, cut our grass, do different things, and we have people work. And then, instead of giving them cash, we'll go buy them a motel room. We'll go buy them a meal or whatever it is that they say that they need. And I remember one time back when we were small, and I was the one that administered all of this, that we had this one guy who was just pathetic, and his sister was dying, and he needed a bus ticket to be able to go see her. And So we said, well, come work. And he worked all day long in production. And when he got through, he says, all right, I'm ready for my money. I said, well, I'll take you down and buy you a ticket. And he says, well, you don't have to do that. Just give me the money. I said, no, I'm going to take you down and buy you a ticket. So we went down to the bus station, And I was standing in line, and there was a big long line. And he says, man, you just—you don't have to stay around. If you give me the money, I'll do it. And he kept telling me. And finally, we got right up to the deal. And he said, oh, forget it. And he just walked off. He didn't want a bus ticket. He was wanting some money for dope or cigarettes or something. And the vast majority of time, that's the way that it is. Again, there may be an exception to that, but it would be the exception. Most of the time, the only reason people can live like that is because good people who have a heart of compassion, give to them, and you are subsidizing their lifestyle. You know, I told my children, I said, look, I love you. There's nothing you can do that will ever make me not love you. But I said, I'll never subsidize your lifestyle. I said, I'll never help you serve the devil. And I there's lots of times that I didn't give to my kids when they needed it because they were doing other things. You know, lots of times the people who are begging for money will be sitting there just chain smoking. You know, it's like $4 a pack or more. If you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, that's $8 a day. You can't tell me that you're destitute and poor. You save $8 a day, that adds up to quite a bit of money. Some of you, I can't believe you'd say things like that. Well, man, if you can't believe that, you'd never believe this. Look at this verse. Look at this verse over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says in verse 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Amen. Paul says, if you don't work, don't eat. There's a lot of people that that's not their philosophy. But you know, if that's the way that we dealt with things, and, if, and I'm not saying that you don't act in compassion. We've got one of our employees, a woman I know who I didn't know this, but I was walking through the phone center and I saw a thing up there that so-and-so went into the hospital and had hospital bills and was out of work for two weeks. And because of it, not only did they have the expense of some hospital bills, but they lost two weeks' worth of pay. And so the employees back in the uh, phone center were taking up a collection to help her. Now, you know what? That's a legitimate deal. She got sick and she needed help. And so you know what? I gave to her. And I've helped her, and I'm sure that other people have. I give to people when I can trust them and when there's somebody that's genuinely in need But when you see somebody who's living on the street because they've rebelled at everything that's good, they're out there, they're an alcoholic or a dope addict or whatever. Again, do I say that we don't help them? No, but the way you help them, you ought to give to things like the Springs Rescue Mission that is out there. And they and I've talked to the people at the Springs Rescue Mission and they said that this is the reason that they love doing what they're doing because they said some of these church organizations, when they had these tent people downtown, and that that was a problem about a year or two ago, and finally the uh, uh, city government outlawed that, they said that the reason they couldn't get those tent people out of there is because the churches were coming down and giving them food and blankets and clothes, said they were throwing clothes and food and stuff away. The churches just threw stuff at them didn't research it and said this was the word was getting out, people were coming from other cities and this was becoming a haven because people were just throwing money at them and they were encouraging this and this was just basically bums, hobos that didn't want to work and they were mooching off of other people. And the reason they did it is because people subsidize and make that work. So I say all of this to say that, you know what, you shouldn't be rewarding negative behavior. If they don't work, don't eat. And likewise, in the ministry, you shouldn't reward beggars. People that are begging you and talking about, oh, we just have to have all of your money and stuff, they aren't doing the right thing. That is not the way that a godly minister should act. Now, I've got needs just like anybody else has got needs, but you've never seen me begging and you'll never hear me begging. There is a place to tell people that you have a need You know, you have not because you asked not. Yeah, people need to know. I used to be erring on the other side of this. I was so uh, I didn't want to let anybody know what my situation was. And there was a time that our ministry just nearly went under. The board told me we had to shut the doors. And I was praying about it and it took me about four or five months, but finally I had a dream and in this dream one of my partners from Dallas came up to me and he says, How are you? And I said, I'm blessed. And he says, I want to know how your finances are. And I said, well, they're blessed. And he says, I want to know what your situation is. And I said, well, we need some money. And he says, how much? And he just backed me into a corner. And finally, I told him what our need was. And this guy got mad at me. And he says, I'm your partner. God has told me to help you. And you aren't giving me the information I need to be able to be an efficient partner. He says, you are wrong in not telling us what's going on. And he rebuked me sorely. So I woke up, and we only had 5,300 people on our mailing list at that time. And I sent out this letter to 5,300 people. I didn't put a return envelope in it. I told them the dream, and I said, I've, I've, I've not represented things correctly. Forgive me. And I said, here's the situation. Do something if you want to. That's all I said. It was one page. And did you know out of 5,300 people, we had uh, fifty-three thousand dollars come in in less than a month which at that time was just huge multiple months worth of income and so there is a place to let people know the need I'm not saying that you don't do that but I am saying that to beg and present it and play on your emotions and get you to give out of pity and out of all of these kind of things is wrong when they sit there and manipulate you and tell you that it's your fault if I go off the air it's your fault and they're condemning you and so you give out of condemnation that's wrong. You know there are a lot of people that give because honestly it's not about helping the other person. You feel guilty, and this is how that they uh, use these babies with the swollen bellies and flies on their face. They they make you feel. Are you going to let this person go to bed hungry tonight? Are you, and, and they just start putting guilt on you. And you know why you give? Not because you love that kid, not because you love God. It's because you love yourself and you feel embarrassed and shy, I gotta do something. And you give to help yourself. That's a wrong motivation. Amen, or oh me. Now again, does this mean that you never help anybody who's in need? No, but I'm saying it ought to be done because you have compassion for them and you give to be a blessing to them. And then, so that's why, when, and then where to give. This is probably the simplest of them all. This is so simple, you've got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand this. Look over in Malachi chapter 3, in verse 10. You know, I've, I've, I teach on this as we go through and talk on the tithe. I'm not going to specifically talk about the tithe from verse 8, but in verse 10... It says, Bring me all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. This says you bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now we when we're talking about giving it's not limited to tithes. There's also offerings and things beyond the tithe, but this is basically talking about where you give, and it just is you give where you're fed. A storehouse is where people kept their food, they kept their grain, they kept their meat and things like that. And when you got hungry, you went to the storehouse and got some of your food out and ate it. So a storehouse is where you get fed. Now, most of the body of Christ, especially pastors, will tell you that the storehouse is a local church. And so your tithe goes to the local church and then offerings go above that, go someplace besides the local church. And you know what? I agree with that if you're in a good church. I'm not going to argue with that. I don't have a problem with that if you're in a good church. But there's lots of people that aren't in good churches. And to just say that your tithe belongs to the church, there are people that give their tithes to churches that license homosexuals, that promote ungodliness, that are condemning and beating the people and not preaching the true gospel. There are lots of churches that they meet one hour a week, and that basically is their church service, You don't need to be giving your tithes to something like that. If you go to a good church, a good church can feed you in a way that like a parachurch ministry like mine can't. And so there's really no competition. You should be giving your tithe to where you're getting fed. And there's more to being fed than just hearing the Word of God. That's an important part of it, but it's not all that there is to it. Uh, You've got to recognize that a church will help you with your children. They'll help you train your children. They're providing a peer uh, group that is a positive peer group. Uh, They will help you counsel if you get into a marriage problem, and they will help you there. There is a local presence in the community, and they can take a stand for righteousness and stuff like that. And a church can do things that a parachurch ministry can't do. So I'm saying that if you go to a good church that is ministering the Word of God, put your tithe there and help that church to function. I don't have a problem with that. But I would say that if a person is going to a church for whatever reason, people do it because their mate, that's the only church they'll go to, or because their uncle has his name engraved on a pew and they've been there for 40 years. I had one person tell me I was born a Methodist, I'm going to die a Methodist, and I told them you're dead and don't know it. But whatever reason it is that you go to where you go, if it is not feeding you, like for instance, I've had a person recently write in and say that after I've heard the true gospel through you, I go to church and it's just against everything that I've been taught. I have to sit there and pray in tongues to just survive. That would be wrong to put your tithe there. You should not be tithing to something that is not feeding you. And you know what? If the body of Christ operated in this then the churches that aren't feeding people would dry up and go away or they would have to get right with God because they wouldn't be fed. They wouldn't have their needs met. But again, there are born-again, spirit-filled believers subsidizing ungodliness through your giving. And then you're complaining about the way the church is going, but they couldn't do it without your help. So you are responsible for the way they do it. You should not give to a thing that is not truly feeding the body of Christ. And if we did this, this is so simple. If you just gave where you're fed, did you know every person who is truly ministering the Word of God would have such an abundance that they wouldn't know what to do? But because the body of Christ as a whole doesn't follow these instructions, the majority of people give where they're begged, where they're pressured, where they're condemned when they use these techniques the reason you know when they underline things and put the brackets out there and do all of this stuff the reason that they do that's cuz it works and sad to say a lot of people give to that a man who gave us our building over in uh, Manitou Springs when we first moved to this area uh when he gave us the building he went to work for us for a while for about 5 or 6 months and he he duplicated tapes for me and stuff and when he saw how we functioned, he got me over to the side one day and he says, why don't you tell people? Why don't you, you know, beg, basically is what he's saying. Why don't you tell people how bad it is? Because he was there and we would just duplicate tapes. We'd duplicate 10,000 tapes at a time, ship them out just as quickly as we could. Then we'd be out of money and we'd just sit there for a few days, believing God for some money. And then when money came in, we'd go get some more tapes and we'd try and catch up with the orders. Again, And he says, why don't you let people know what's going on? And he said that during the last year, he gave away $25,000. And he wanted to make that money count. And he prayed and asked God where he should give. And he said, every time, I was the first person that came to his mind because I was the one that God used to change his life. And so the first person he thought of giving to was me. But he said, i would never begged. i never said anything. I didn't say we were in a terrible situation and we had a crisis. And so he says, I wound up giving that $25,000 to this network, Christian network, because they were always in a crisis. And did you know, I went to that Christian network. I was a guest on their program and... The guy who ran the ministry was so upset he was leaving, and he got to talking to me about all of the crooked things that they were doing. And one of the things he did was take me into a room. It was probably 20 by 30, and it had tens, hundreds of thousands of letters already written, already in envelopes, already sealed. All it needed was a, a sticker on it, a mailing sticker. And he said, these are our six-month crisis letters written two years in advance. They didn't have a crisis yet. But they had already written the letters and fabricated and made up a crisis. And the logic was, if you know, it takes us two or three months to get a letter out. And so, if we don't do it this way, we will have a crisis. So they just fabricated it, lied to the people. And these were the people that sent out the crisis letters that this guy had given $25,000 to because they were begging and manipulating, he wasn't giving where he was fed. And that guy wound up being arrested and going to jail for a period of time for doing stuff like that. But you know why he did it? Because people just like this friend of mine who gave him $25,000, it works. But he, people like that, they aren't feeding the body of Christ. They aren't truly ministering the Word of God. If you were truly flowing with the Holy Spirit and speaking, you wouldn't do things like that. You wouldn't lie. You wouldn't manipulate people. And so, if the body of Christ just started giving where you're fed, you know what? People like that would either have to quit their manipulation and start ministering the Word of God, or they would get out of the ministry. Their ministries would fail. And that would be good. You don't eat at McDonald's and then go across the street to Wendy's and pay them. You give where you're fed. And yet I can guarantee you there, and I'm not saying this for a selfish purpose at all. I'm just trying to make this point that there are people who they are living off of my teaching. They have to go to the television. They get, they're, they're getting what they're getting from God through me. And yet they will put their tithe into a local church that is preaching terrible things, not promoting the kingdom and stuff. And they'll do that because they just think that that's what they have to do. You should give where you're fed. And if you did that, did you know what? The crooks who aren't truly feeding the people would get out of the way. You wouldn't have all of this abuse that you've got. The reason you've got it is because it works. And again, I could give you names and I could take you to websites and show you that a lot of the people that get the biggest offerings are not the people that are ministering the Word of God. They're people that are manipulators and they have learned how to condemn people and play on people's emotions and get them to give. Some of the people who are ministering the word, if if they just had people give when they were fed, it would change them. You know, when I listen to somebody on the radio, if they speak to me, I'll send them five bucks. I'll send them ten bucks. I don't care if they're spirit filled. I don't care who they are. If God used them to speak to me, I'll send them five bucks, ten bucks. You know, right now, we have 3 billion people that can watch my program on a daily basis. Now, I know not all of those watch, but if you get real conservative and say 1% of the 3 billion actually watch my program, then that would be 30 million people. And out of the 30 million people, conservative estimate that watch our program, if only 1% of those got blessed. So that would be... 1% 1% of 3 billion and then 1% of that, that makes it 100th percent, let's see, 100th of 1% of the potential listening audience would be 300,000 people that really got blessed through my program every day. And if they just sent in a dollar, man, if they got something said, well, man, that's worth a dollar. You know what? You pay a dollar and fifty cents or eighty cents for a soda and four dollars for a cup of coffee or whatever if you go to Starbucks. If people just gave one dollar, if I got three hundred thousand dollars a day, I'd be blessed out of my gourd. Man, we would be blessed, blessed, blessed. And I can guarantee I've got a minimum of that many people being blessed per day. And yet, we don't make a big deal. We, tell people to give, you know, if you'd like to support it and things like this, and we don't push or pull, and because we don't do that, we don't get anywhere near that. We probably average somewhere around, I don't know, $60,000 a day. But that's a far cry from 300000 and that's a super conservative estimate. And then the Scripture says over in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that if you labor in the Word, you're supposed to be counted worthy of double honor. And so it does put a priority on people who are teaching the Word of God and changing people's lives. So if you counted it double honor, that would be a minimum of $600,000 a day. You know what? We'd just be blessed, blessed, blessed. We could pay for everything totally debt-free. I'm not saying any of these things to complain. I'm just saying that, see, if this is how people did, if they just gave where they were fed, I guarantee you I'm feeding people. And if people gave where they were fed, I'd have so much abundance that you'd you'd mention money just for the sake of helping the people, but never because you have a need. And then the people who are crooks would dry up and blow away. They'd be out of the ministry. And that's the way it should operate. But you know what? I doubt seriously that you're going to have very many ministers teach this because it's easier to manipulate people. It's easier to condemn people. The church that I grew up in, the pastor used to say, if you don't pay your tithes, God will put you in the hospital and take it in doctor bills. He's going to get his 10% one way or the other. And you know what? You can even get a lost man to give that way. They don't have to be motivated by love. You know what? They'll just give out of fear. It's like I've mentioned this before, but it's like serving the Godfather instead of serving God the Father. Amen? It's like hush money. It's like, man, you better pay up or God's going to get you. And you know what? Lost people, carnal people will respond to that. But the only people that will respond to giving where you're fed and giving because God is first given unto us and give out of a right attitude are people that are in tune with God. And you aren't going to have as many people respond when you use that motivation. But you know what? If you if you go start compromising, then you become a part of the problem. I've told my uh, staff before, I said, if we ever get to write in these crisis letters... And if you ever start playing on people's emotion and tell them the whole thing's going to collapse if you don't give. I said, if I ever start down that slippery slope, I said, there's no returning. If you start conditioning people and then money comes in, then you get dependent on using these gimmicks to generate money. And I said, I'm just not going there. I'd rather go slowly. I'd rather not do some things. But you know what? This is the easy way to do it. I could right now hire people that could produce me millions of dollars off of one letter if I just give them the freedom to go in and manipulate people and lie to them. That works. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying that, praise God, we need to start being a part of the answer instead of a part of the problem. So don't give where you're begged. Don't give with the wrong motivation. You should give where you're fed. The only exception to this would be that there is benevolence giving. Sometimes the poor haven't ministered to you and we are supposed to give benevolence giving and then we are supposed to give missions things because there's some people that go to people that don't have any money and they can't pay them directly and so you are supposed to do missionary work and benevolence giving. But with that exception, you should give primarily where you are fed. And if you would just do that, it would change everything. You know, Jamie and I don't uh, go to church all of the time because we're traveling so much. It's rare. We Probably two times a month is all that I get to go to church. Sometimes it's one time a month. And so the church that I go to, it's, I don't agree 100% with what they're doing, but it is a good church, and they're doing some good things, and I do get good things when I go there. So you know what? I give them a portion of our tithe. I don't give them the whole thing because for one thing, I'm not there all of the time. I don't agree 100% with everything they're doing, so I just give a portion of it there. And I think that this is good for some people. You may be in a situation where you don't have a really good church. If you're in Colorado Springs, that's not a good excuse. There are good, there are good churches here. You can find something that you can get behind and you ought to be able to give your tithe to uh, the place where you're being fed. But if for some reason, people watching my video are in a situation where you don't have a good church, then you might give a portion of your tithe there or give it to where you're fed. But basically, if you just follow this principle of giving where you're fed, it would change the body of Christ. So just think about that when somebody goes to receiving an offering. Why are you being motivated to give? Are they begging you or coercing you? And then, have they fed you? And if you were to analyze those things and evaluate, then give where you've been fed, give where you can see that your money is changing people's lives, it's producing positive effect, and yes, believe that there's going to be a return off of it because you need to to receive so that you can continue to be a giver. But don't make receiving the motivation for your giving. Amen. You can't buy the blessing of God. We're going to receive an offering this morning. If you want to give, hold your hand up. One of our ushers will get you an offering envelope. This goes into our missions fund. And what you're doing, you're giving to help people go on these missions trips. You're sowing into your future. You're helping change lives as they go out and minister. And praise God, God will bless this back to you so that you can continue to be a giver. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for these truths. And I'm asking that you help us, Father, to understand this and to be good stewards of the money you've given us, to give with the right attitude, to give to the right place. Father, we thank you and believe that you are giving us all wisdom in this area and that we're going to be a part of the answer instead of a part of the problem. And I believe that as people give today, that, Father, you will bless this back unto them supernaturally an abundant return on it, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can receive the offering. Hallelujah. You know, when I was 18 years old, long before I understood all the things I was telling you, I went to a Baptist church service, and this Baptist evangelist was there. There was probably five or 600 people. And he says, we're going to receive an offering, but I don't want anybody to give $10, $20, $50, or $100. He says, if you were to go to a movie, you'd pay $3. Now that shows you how long ago this was. And he says, you'd pay $3. I just want $3 from every person. He says, if you don't have $3, borrow it from your neighbor. But he says, I want every person to get $3 and hold it in your hand. And I was sitting on the front row. And uh, he says, I'm going to wait until I see everybody's got three dollars. Man, I folded my arms like this and looked at this guy like, I dare you. Recognize me. Point me out. Give me an opportunity to say something and see what I will do. And man, he was looking at me and he says, now not everybody has three dollars. I want you to get three dollars. And I was staring right back at him. and. He uh, tried to coerce me, but boy, I just wouldn't budge. And I was 18 years old. I'd just been baptized in the Holy Ghost a few months, and I knew better than that. You're supposed to give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know what? I just stared that guy down, and I wouldn't do that back when I was 18 years old. I still don't do it. It just makes me mad. It ought to make you mad when somebody goes to using these gimmicks Last, last thing, a board member of mine, Travis Waller, he was, he's now with Jesus. But he was in a meeting in Pueblo where they took up an offering and the guy said, I need exactly so much money and he, we're going to keep taking offerings until I get it. So he took an offering and had the people sit there and had his people counting. They came back in and said they were short. So he took a second offering and they were short. And he had them block the doors and he says, we're still $1,000 short. I'm going to take another offering until I get at least one more thousand dollars. And Travis got up and gave him a thousand dollars so that the people could leave. And he was telling me about that. And I said, Travis, shame on you. I said, you just rewarded that guy's negative behavior. I said, the reason he did that is because it worked and you enabled it. Amen. I'd never do something like that. I'd have sat there until the cows came home. I would not respond and reward negative behavior. Neither should you. You're dismissed.